This is a reading of The Truth is Told by Mason Buttle by Leslie Connor. Chapter 1. The Stupid Shirt Tell you what, I already know who stuffed this t-shirt into my locker. Matt Drinker did that. He took a sharpie to it first. Fat black letters. He wrote stupid on it. Same way I spelled my word in the spelling bee on Friday morning. A kid like me does not belong in the spelling bee, but it is for all of seventh grade. This is not how I would kick off the school year, but I'm not in charge. Elimination rounds start in the classrooms. I'm eliminated. I saw a movie about a spelling bee once. There was a girl and she had a magic about her. She could hear her word, any word at all, and the letters wrote themselves in the air. It happened in swirls and sparkles with fuzzy bees and fairies making glitter trails. The letters opened like apple blossoms. They flowed like paint off a brush. Always the right letter. People said that couldn't really happen, seeing things that way. It was just a movie trick, but I believe what that girl saw. At least some. I see things too, but no fairy wings, no flowers blooming. Here is what happened on Friday morning. I heard my word. Stopped. Had to be the easiest word ever in a seventh grade spelling bee. Tell you what, I knew I was going to spell it right. Stopped has double letters. I like those. It is like getting a two for one. Well, too bad, because as soon as I thought of that, I thought of another word. Starts with the same sound and has double letters somewhere around the middle part. Stoop. I've been with my brain for 12 long years. I know how it puts things wrong. So I closed my eyes. I thought, okay, Mason, don't let that in your head. Don't go spelling stoop. That's not your word. Your word is stopped. Under my eyelids, I started to see the letters. That's why I say it's like the girl from the movie. I can see the letters, but for me, they go ugly. They fade or swell up. They slide away. If my eyes had pinchers on them, I'd grab at the letters and hold them still. Tick, tick, tick. You cannot take your time in a spelling bee. Stopped. S and T. Those were correct. I knew they were. I said them. I got the safe feeling. The spelling bee timer ticked again. I tried to see the letters. Clear, but they fuzzed. Then they blobbed. I've seen plenty of times. I squeezed my eyes shut tighter. I thought, please let me get this. I saw fat letters, blurry letters. Then came the other thing I see, color. Happens sometimes. This time it was the dirty green. Floats in like smoke. Happens when I can't get to the right answers. That green, it is the color of pressure. On me, a spelling bee is pressure. I rolled my eyeballs behind my lids, tried to erase all that mess. My brain got itself caught up on the other word, stoop, 
Double letters. Tick. Tick. I saw two O's. I said two O's. Somebody snorted. I knew I was wrong. Knew I had to finish. Get it over with. I wiped my sweaty hands on my pants. Stopped. I heard a P sound. I said it quick. Knew there was something more. T on the end? No. D. It would be D on the end. But not just D. Tick. Tick. No time. I said I and D. What I spelled was S-T-O-O-P-I-D. What it sounded like was stupid. The buzzer sounded. The whole classroom roared. Matt Drinker loves when something like that happens. That's why I'm guessing he put this stupid shirt inside my locker. He must have picked my lock to do it. Funny thing is, I knew what the shirt said because of the two O's in the middle. I knew in two blinks. Matt doesn't know it, but he did me a big favor. I always take two shirts to school, unless I forget. I change just before lunch. This is because of how I sweat. It is a lot. Can't stop it. Can't hide it. I need to be dry at the lunch table. Otherwise, I'm a total gross out of a kid. Well, today was a day that I forgot my extra shirt. So I'm wearing this one that says stupid on it. It's big and it fits me. It's clean and dry. I'm going to keep moving. Maybe no one will see what it says. And if they do, well, tell you what. Plenty worse has happened. Chapter 2. The Swoof. Other kids look up to me in the hallway. They have to. I'm the biggest, tallest 7th grader at Merrimack Middle School. By a lot. Today, I'm moving fast. They laugh when they see me. Laughing is better than no laughing. I smile. I know I look funny like a big walking billboard for stupid with two O's. I'm skipping the cafeteria. It is a wild place. Seems like a stupid shirt could start a food fight. I'm headed to the swoof. That's Miss Blenny's room. I take giant steps all the way down the hall. I think about this. The swoof has double O's in the middle, like the word on my shirt. Funny name, the swoof. Miss Blenny made that up. She used some little tile letters. They came from a sign that said Social Work Office. I know that because Miss Blenny told me. She was making the swoof sign the day I met her. Mrs. Lorenz from the elementary school brought me over to the middle school on the last day of fifth grade so I could meet her friend. We walked through the front part of the office where there is a big soft couch and two beanbag chairs. Also, a lava lamp and the little table with a snack basket on top. There are posters on the walls and a whole lot of clutter. Miss Blenny's desk is the last thing, tucked behind a bookcase by the window. Something smelled hot in there the day I went to meet Miss Blenny. Sure enough, she was holding a glue gun in one hand and pushing those letter tiles around on her desk with the other. Pink paint was drying on a nice wooden shape. A pink paintbrush was drying onto her desk. Miss Blenny was sure busy, but when she saw me, she looked up and smiled. She said, oh yeah, Mason, 
Glad to meet you. The smile got bigger. She stayed looking at me, like a person shining from the inside out. It me. Her glue gun dripped a glob of hot stuff onto her papers. I said, be careful. She said, oh, oops, dripping. Then there, were, there went another string of glue. She grabbed for a tissue, but she smiled a t- spilled a tub of glitter beads across the desk. She smiled with a big open mouth and bright, happy eyes. Ha! Look at that, Mason. A sparkle spill. She took a picture of it. That has been her screensaver for more than a year now. There was a new social work office sign on the door when school started last September. I mean, the plain kind, like the school puts up. But Miss Blenny had finished her glitter project too. She stuck her pink swoof sign on the door. Tell you what, makes the room easy to find. I like the way she is, Miss Blenny. How she spills things and doesn't wait for paint to dry. So today, I turn the corner into her room. Breathe out a breath, the kind that means you made it home. I like the swoof. I am always welcome here. Chapter 3. Better Than Stupid I'm the only kid in the swoof today, but I won't be for long. It's a stopping-in place. I poke my head around the bookcase. I tell Miss Blinney hello. She's working, but I can interrupt her if I'm polite about it. I hold up my lunch bag for her to see. I have twisted the top into a thing that looks like a pumpkin stem. It's wet for me sweating it up. I say, okay if I eat in here? She says, sure. She pushes a button on her desk phone. She tells the office, hello, I have Mason Buttle and I'm keeping him for a while. She says keeping as if everyone should want to keep me. At the end of the call, Miss Blenny stands. She is small, even in her tall boots. She looks up to me, too. She tilts her head. She is reading my shirt, the letters that spell stupid. She says, Mason, want to tell me about that shirt? I look at my chest. Miss Blenny might already know the spelling bee. She knows a lot of things about me. I won't tell her that I think it was Matt Drinker who put the shirt in my locker, and I won't tell her why either. I say, it's clean and dry. It's handmade. She says, handmade. Hmm. I don't like it. It's derogatory. I shrug. Derogatory must be bad. But what am I going to do about it anyway? My morning shirt is all sweated up. It's in a bag inside my locker. Miss Blenny opens her desk drawer, pulls out a roll of duct tape, the decoration kind, purple plaid. She pulls off two strips, tapes over stupid, like she is crossing that off me. When she takes out a Sharpie of her own, she says, Mind if I write on you, Mason? I tell her, go ahead. Being written on is tricky. Miss Blenny has me tuck a copy of the Merrimack Gazette up, my, up the front of my shirt. I look down and watch her write. She puts three words. There's a thing to know about me. I can barely read. I can't read right side up, and I sure cannot read upside down. 
but now she is drawing a picture too. She draws two squares with corners overlapping, connects the sides with four lines. I know this one. It, it's a box. Miss Bliney finishes. She backs up. She puts the cap on her Sharpie. Good thing, because she's taping the end of the marker on her bottom lip now. She smiles. Big white teeth. She says, wait, wait. I just thought of something else. She pops the pen open again. She writes two more upside down words. Puts a question mark on the end. She says, done. I peel the Merrimack Gazette out from under my shirt. The front page is wet from my sweat. We agreed that I should put that in the recycle bin, and I do. I tug on the bottom of the shirt, look down the long front of me. I ask Miss Bliney, what do I say now? She reads, thanks outside the, then she points to her drawing, looks up at me. I say, box? She says, yes. Then she reads the last part. Can you? She chirps that last part like a bird. She says, your shirt makes a statement and asks a question. It is a curiosity. She smiles, Sharpie waving in the air. I nod. I say, guess that's better than stupid. Just one thing, Miss Bliney. What does it mean? She says, thinking outside the box is a skill. It means your mind is big and open, Mason. If you can think outside the box, you have no limits. That's you. Miss Bliney is smiling at me. I say, and it is not derogatory? She says, not one bit. I run through that again. Thinks outside the box. Memorize it. She says, okay, get comfy and have your lunch, Mason. Oh, and think about some of the things you and I always talk about. Let your mind go deep. When you're done eating, I have something new for you to try. I choose the one hard chair and the swoof. I can dry it off later if I sweat it up. I untwist the top of my lunch bag. Wonder what Miss Bliney has planned. Wonder if my mind can be deep. Then I think this. Well, I guess my mind can be outside a box. Maybe that's a start. Chapter four, our place. When I say that Miss Bliney knows a lot about me, I mean she knows because I tell her. She says I talk a blue streak. She thinks I have a story. Funny thing, she's not the only one who thinks that. Lieutenant Baird thinks so too. He thinks I have a story about my best friend, Benny Kilmartin. More than I already told him. He gave me that notebook, wants me to write in it, but that is a nightmare for a kid like me. Miss Bliney means a different story. More like the whole thing about me. My story. She talks about that like it's something I'm sitting on. Like I could pull it out from under me. Like a copy of the Merrimack Gazette. Like any old time now, I will say, here, here's the true story of me, Mason Buttle. Some people might think they already know my story. That's just because they live around here. Some stuff is plain. Some stuff is right where you can see it. If you lived in Merrimack, you might know our place. 
It's the crumpled down house out of Swaggerton Road. Sits on a good bit of acres that used to be a whole lot more. Developers. My Uncle Drum says we can't live without them. My grandma says we should have tried. You might know our orchard. You might remember it it looking alive as a hive late in summer. P-Y-O. Pick your own. If you are like me, your eyes pop out of your head at how quick the developers dozered down the trees. They're still building. New houses up the hill and down the hill from our place. You might look at our house sitting in the middle and wonder why it looks like somebody emptied a dustpan over it. I try. I sweep up the porch, pull weeds in the front, but I am now and then about it. I don't keep up. Uncle Drum says just leave it. Then another shingle drops off the roof, lands in the yard. But that crumple down is still home. The place I start from every day. If I had a story, it might begin there. But tell you what, it would not be long before I got the parts that could ruin anybody's lunch. I sit in the swoof, staring at my sandwich, not eating. Must be my mind has gone deep. I think this. Benny Kilmartin is a part of my story. Best friend since first grade. The Kilmartin's place is not far down the road from my house. Walking distance. I went to Benny's house a lot, and he came to mine, like brothers with two homes. So I got close with Benny's dads. Andy is the most at-home dad, a carpenter, a house painter. Benny's other dad is Franklin. He works in an office in the city. But it was Andy who always watched for the bus. So I miss him. But most of all, I miss Benny. Benny's been gone since the end of fifth grade. Springtime, apple blossom time, that's a year, plus a few months. He died in May, and now it is the second September since. Second bloom, second apple time. I think of the apples because Benny died in the orchard, our orchard. That's the story Lieutenant Baird once. I already told him. I told everyone. I found Benny still as a stone right under the tree fort. I saw the ladder was broken. Top rung snapped, hanging. Saw that just before I tried to make Benny kill Martin breathe again. I guess it was not the best ladder. I told everyone that I was sorry about that. I wish I'd built that better. But that ladder was not broken at supper time when I jumped down from the tree fort. Heading for home. I got no idea what made that rung give out. I didn't then, and I don't now. So now you know it. My best friend is dead. Tell you what, puts a fly in my head thinking about what happened to Benny Kilmartin. Chapter five, talk to the dragon. I look at my lap, got the end of my sandwich sitting there. I don't want it. My lunch seems pretty ruined. I ball that up with the bag. I mop dry with two napkins as best I can. The sweating is always ahead of the mopping with me. I look up. So far, I'm still the only kid in the swoof. A swish and a thud come from behind the bookcase where Miss Bliney is. Happens a lot. 
I don't worry too much. She usually says what has happened right after it happens. Things like, oh, spilled my purse. Oops, knocked over the plant. Today, she says, uh-oh, my planner and my papers. I can hear her sweep them off the floor. She pops her head around the bookcase. She says, done with lunch, Mason? Good. Come on back here. I have something for you to try. She sits me at a small desk that is pushed up against a wall opposite her big desk. My knees come up tall underneath it. Lift it some. The small desk is new this year. She opens a laptop in front of me. That's new too. She brings up a program. I think this. Is she going to ask me to read? But then I know she won't. She knows how it is with me. Miss Bliney untangles a headset and puts it on. There's a little mic on a wire at her mouth. Her eyes are wide. She says, watch this, Mason. She speaks. She says, wake up. Then she says, hello, dragon. Meet Mason. I think, dragon? I am not a third grader. I watch, but only because I like Miss Bliney. Then I see it. Words type themselves on the screen. Miss Bliney points at them. She tells the dragon, stop listening. She brings her hands together with a clap. She says, see that? I tell it to stop listening so it won't think I'm still writing when I'm talking to you. She says, you'll learn the commands, but look. She points at the screen again. I look at the words. They go all floaty, like always but I see one word that I know by the shape of it, my name. On the end, letter M. That's right. I heard Miss Bliney say it, meet Mason. She gives me the headset. She says, your turn. Talk to the dragon. Start by telling it to wake up. So I pull on the headset. I gulp two times. I tug at the wires, stare at the screen. Finally, I say, Wake up. Then I say, yet you don't look like a dragon. I hear tiny clicks, typing sounds. The words line up against across the screen. My eyes open wide. I think I see my sentence. Maybe even spelled right. Miss Bliney tells me, now say, play back and listen. I do that. A lady voice comes through the earphones. You... You don't look like a dragon. I say, holy cow. The dragon types the two words. So then I say, playback. The lady voice says, holy cow. Miss Bliney takes tiny running steps in place. Happy boots. She twirls around. She says, is that cool or what? You can pick a font and a color if you want to. I think this. Best part is, I don't have to look at the screen at all. I don't have to read it. Don't have to think about letter sounds. No wishing for pincher eyes to hold the letters in place. No blinking to clear a mess. Miss Bliney says, those are your words. Your writing, Mason. Come do it every day. This can be your journal. It's the story of you. You can use it to dump all that stuff on your mind. She makes her voice gruff. Feed it to the dragon, she says, and pumps her arms over her head. Yay! In my head, I remember what one teacher told me. 
if you can talk, you can write. I told that teacher, no. If you can talk, you can tell a story, but you still might not be able to write it. I was no wisecrack. It was a true thing. I can start the writing, but it's not as fast as talking. I get lost. There's only one way to get back on track, and that is to read what I already wrote. But for me, the reading is the trouble. Now I know Miss Bliney is right. The dragon will let me talk out a story. This should be good. Easier. But here I sit, frozen at the dragon. Miss Bliney sees me being stuck. She says, whatever you were thinking about while you were eating your lunch, start there. I think this. Well, maybe some of it. She says, just be yourself while you're at the dragon. So I do that. The dragon types, and then I know it. If I have a story, this is the way for me to tell it as best I can.